I have two dumb jokes for you. Uh, which one is worse? Let's see. Uh, Daniel slept in a lion's den. Peter slept in prison. Jesus slept in the midst of the storm. So our takeaway is, no matter what your circumstances, take a nap. (laughs) That's not completely correct. That is a joke. Um, And the last one, I thought this was funny. This is one of those dumb dad jokes. I rubbed the uh, mirror, the, the thing, and the genie came out and said, I grant you one wish. And so I said, I just want to be happy. Next thing I know, I'm living in a cottage with six dwarves and working in a mine. There you go. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good because it totally catches you by surprise. You have to go, what? Oh, happy. Yeah, one of the dwarves was happy. Okay, bless the Lord. (laughs) Please turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Isaiah. We're going to be in chapter 43. Jesus, what a privilege it is for us to be able to gather together as a family and come into your presence, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for being here. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you loved us, Lord Jesus, and you met us and you revealed yourself to us just as you did this man in South Africa. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your care and your concern for us. Lord, speak to us by by and through your word this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask you to reveal more about Jesus. Make him clear to us. Give us understanding. Give us rhemas of your word this morning, Lord. We thank you, Father, that your presence is here, Holy Spirit. Come do what you want to do. This is your service, your sermon, your church, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Isaiah 43. I like this chapter. I especially like these first few verses. And that's what I want to read for you this morning and then share about them. God says, <clears throat> but now thus saith the Lord. I, like, I always like to make a mention, you got to look at that word but because it's there for a reason. So if you look before, it may seem like uh, yesterday was hard. It may seem like the past words have been difficult. It may seem like uh, everything isn't, but now thus saith the Lord. God has a good word for you this morning. He who created you, O Jacob... He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. You can see the Lord dictating to the circumstances. The Lord speaking his will over the circumstances that we walk into. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. Why? For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as a ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. 
says the Lord. What I want to focus in this morning is this beginning in verse uh, 1 there, where he says that Jacob was created and Israel was formed. Jacob was created, and I wish I had a big lump of clay. Because, I mean, that's basically what we are. We're a, a mass of, of, of gases and clay and, and to, to form this tissue, water. So Jacob was created. You were created. You were created, and in that creation of you, there are things that affect who you are. Biggest is DNA. DNA dictates what you look like quite a bit. It also dictates, dictates some of how you feel, how you experience the world, how you reveal yourself to others. DNA dictates some of this. If you're an introvert, DNA probably dictated that to some degree. If you're happy-go-lucky all the time, DNA. If you have red hair, DNA. If you have a big nose, DNA. Some of the things that you were created is about DNA. But we're also affected by sin. We're also affected by our choices. Some of who we are affects who we are because of what we have done. Some of the sins of the past flow down through us and get in our DNA and affect who we are. Circumstances affect who we are. Circumstances that we grew up in. Some of us grew up in one type of circumstance. Some of us grew up in other types of circumstance. Some of us grew up speaking a different language than English. Some of us have been created with limitations. We've grown up and were birthed into a place with limitations. This is who we are. This is the beginning. This is Genesis 1.1. And the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the muddy water. This is the beginning. This is the alpha of the work of the Lord in your life. Not the end. This is simply the beginning being honest with who you are and the fact that the Lord loves you as Jacob. The Lord loved Jacob. He's the God of Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of who they were when they were creative. If you do not have the love of Jesus for who you are in your fallen state, in your muddy water area, you need the Lord to heal your heart because Jesus loves you like that. It doesn't mean he will leave you there because you're created as Jacob. He forms you into Israel. So he will form you into a beautiful image, but he still loves you as Jacob. And love doesn't mean I leave you that way. Love means is, is a value. I value you, you. I see you. I want fellowship with you. And by being with me, you will be transformed into the Israel that I actually destined you to be. Don't settle being Jacob when there's Israel out there. 
So God forms Israel out of the Jacob whom he loves. And he infuses in your DNA Christ's DNA. And he corrects and tweaks and changes. Did you know that DNA is pliable? They've begun to discover that your DNA is pliable. Now, some things like your hair color and stuff, you know, it's a little harder to change. But things are pliable. And do you know that trauma in our lives affects our DNA? It goes into our DNA, and we pass that traumatized DNA on to our children. Recent, recent scientific discoveries. What that means is, it means that the Lord is able to fix those DNA through Jesus. It doesn't mean you're cursed, oh, it's my lot in life. Because of my parents' decisions, it's just going to be this bad forever. It just simply means that you're just a lump of clay that looks like that. And when you take that clay and put it in the hands of the Lord, Jesus can do whatever he wants to do. He's not limited by your DNA because he has his own. I don't care how you were born, what you look like, what you identified at before you came to know Jesus. Jesus' identity, his DNA can change all of that. Sometimes when we, uh, it's kind of a little bit of an off, but I found it not humorous, more sad, maybe. How we'll look at ourselves and we'll say, I wish I was more like that. Um, I, I don't know how this is for uh, more... Uh, darker-skinned African-Americans or other. Uh, we, uh, generally white people, like to be tanned. And I, I was amazed when I was in India, going into the pharmacy, they had skin whitener. They wanted to look lighter. And I was like, wow, wow, the devil just messes with you no matter what, doesn't he? He's always trying to tell you, you're not good enough. The Lord really doesn't love you. If you just changed the way you looked or changed who you are, then you could meet up with the love of Jesus. Man, Jesus loves you exactly how you are. That DNA that he gave you as Jacob is exactly how he wanted you to be because he knew he would just add himself to you and just make you beautiful in him. So don't receive that lie that I've got to change this to get his love. Jesus moves into it. Another great thing is as Jacob, I am born with this sin inside of me. But Jesus, as he forms me into Israel, gives me his DNA and his holiness, infuses in me and sanctifies me and changes me and gives me a new heart so that I move away from the natural thing of sin and I begin to move toward him in the freedom that he's destined me to be. I leave the sin behind because he changes my heart. He doesn't ask me to change my behavior. He asks me to change my heart because a changed heart produces changed behavior. If you only have changed behavior, you know this, all you have is religiosity. 
And that's all on your strength and the change behavior will only last as long as you are able to maintain it. And eventually in the stressful situations, whoop, all of a sudden it comes out. I know we don't like stressful situations because they make us look bad. But really stressful situations reveal down deep in our heart where we are, honestly. It takes off all of our mask and we get right there and it's like, ugh. And then we go, okay, Jesus, I did not like what came out of me. Would you get down there and change my heart? Because I want to look like you. Even in the most stressful situation, what did Jesus do in the most stressful situation of the boat? He slept. When he was getting crucified, he cared for others. He forgave. Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's a pretty stressful situation to be put up on false charges, let out, beat up beyond recognition, crucified and be hanging there and think, okay, Robert, yes, you're going to be with me in paradise. Mom, see the guy next to you, John. John, this is your mother. Mother, this is your son. I'm taking care of my mother. Father, I, I know they're spitting on me. They're making fun of me. They're mocking me. But Lord, forgive them. I mean, how many of you have been in situations where you've walked like that? <laughs> but as Jesus gets in us, Jacob changes and we become Israel. And we're able to do and walk in those things. We're able to forgive and let go. We're able to move past and shine Jesus. Amen. Jacob lives in the midst of circumstance. Israel lives in the midst of Christ's will. Jacob would have lost his faith, lost his everything. Israel goes, okay, Jesus, how fun. What are we going to do? Lead me. Lead me into what you have for me. Opportunities. Jacob lives in limitations. Israel lives only in the limitations of Jesus, which are nil. This is what Jesus is doing in your midst. Conforming you into the Israel he has called you to be. Ice cream truck driving by. If you remember, to get into Israel, before Jacob was called Israel, he went through all of these things and finally it led up to this, this pinnacle of struggle where he wrestles with God. Do you remember this in the story? You can look it up. It's in, it's in Genesis if you aren't familiar with it. But he gets this pinnacle of thing. He, he's a, Jacob's a deceiver. He deceives Esau. He uses Esau's weakness to steal the blessing, uh, to steal his birthright. And then he uh, deceives his dad, his blind, dying dad on his deathbed. He deceives him to get the birthright. And then he runs away so that his brother won't kill him. And then he gets in, he has this revelation of Jesus at Bethel where he sees Jacob's ladder, you know, the angels going back and forth. And he says, wow, God lives here. I'm going to call it Bethel, the house of God. And he makes this deal with God because Jacob's in his, in his creation. He's a natural conniver, deceiver. Uh, Jacob means deception, deceiver. 
And so uh, he goes in and he goes, okay, God, you know what? I'll tell you what. You bless me and I'll give you 10%. I'll keep 90. Well, that's a business deal right there, right? You can have 10%, all your blessing, but you get 10%. And God says, okay. Because God's like, at least I got him looking at me right now. And I'll move in that direction to grab his heart. And he goes and he meets up with his father-in-law. And he says, I want to marry your daughter, the one I really like. And the father-in-law says, sure. And then on the wedding night, when Jacob's drunk, he switches it and he gives the older daughter. And Jacob wakes up to find he's now married to the older daughter, not the younger one. Hmm. Who's deceptive now? And then, you know, he works 14 years total to be able to marry the younger daughter. And then his wives begin to compete. And they, this whole thing goes on where they're bringing, they're sleeping with him and they're selling, sleeping with him with their concubines because they're trying to win his real heart, his love, by getting, by producing sons. And so Jacob ended up having 12 sons from four different women because they're all trying to win his heart as a picture of telling, hey, Jacob, your problem is you don't know God's heart and you're trying to win your father's love that you never got from Isaac because Isaac's favor went to Abraham or went to Esau. And so you've been compensating this time, deceiving, manipulating, maneuvering, trying to get that love and you're not, not doing it. And what it's produced is this fruit of people doing the same thing to you. And so Jacob's deceived by his father-in-law and he gets to the point where uh, he tricks his father-in-law into the blessing. I don't fully understand how it happens. I don't know if it's a God thing. Uh, But Jacob ends up getting super rich and his father-in-law Laban goes down. And so he says, it's time to get out of here otherwise Laban's going to kill me. Because that's what I would do, Jacob says. So Jacob runs off. And there's more details here, but he gets to this one point and uh, his brother Esau is coming to visit (laughs) and he knows Esau is coming to kill him. And Jacob's like, okay, the chickens come back to roost. Is that the right? The roosters come back to roost. What's the phrase? Totally lost it. Chickens come back to roost. Yeah. My sin is catching up with me. And uh, so he, uh, he's there at the creek. Jacob's coming. He's sent tons and tons of gifts to try to, to slow down uh, Esau coming, I'm sorry, and to win over Esau's heart because he knows Esau's going to kill him. He's trying to manipulate him, giving him uh, gifts to try to, so that he wouldn't kill him. And then he goes, okay, this, this may not work, so I'm going to uh, line up my family in the order of the ones that I love. For preservation. And so he sticks his kids that he likes the least out at front, and the concubines and wives that he likes the least, all the way back to his favorite two sons and his favorite wife. Ouch. Can you imagine being the little kid in the front going, huh, why am I up front? Oh. And even at that point, Jacob's like, Wait, 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 I can't do this. I got to get out of here. Self-preservation kicks in. And Jacob flights. Fight or flight, Jacob flights. He leaves them and he runs this way. 
And the angel says, okay, Jacob, it is time to finish what I've been trying to get you to understand that I'm with you. You're conforming into Israel, and so I'm going to use this difficult situation to show you where your heart is and stop you in your tracks and begin to move you forward to show you my redemption. Because the story doesn't end there. The story comes into redemption, and Jacob, uh, Israel, spends the rest of his life learning the redemption of the Lord all the way through Joseph being in uh, and redeeming them in Egypt. And he, the, he running away, and an angel grabs him, and the angel says, you're not going forward. And Jacob's like, let me go. I've got to get out of here. They're trying to kill me. And the angel says, no, I ain't letting you go. And they're going back and forth, I mean, all over the place, wrestling, until finally uh, the angel says, he's going to beat me, and I can't let him win. So the angel reaches down and touches his hip joint and dislocates his hip. And at that point, the battle switches. Because Jacob realizes, I can't get away. So he grabs a hold of the angel and he says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. Until I know that you're going to walk with me. And the angel says, your name has now been changed. You have now surrendered and you're holding on to God and that's what you need. And now you will allow me to actually bring the change in your life. Your name is Israel, he who wrestles or fights with God and overcomes. See, fighting with God and overcoming isn't you winning and God losing. Fighting with God and overcoming is you realizing who God is and you holding on. That's the wrestle with God. And we all wrestle, guys. Jacob wrestled like crazy with his faith. Will God bless and provide? Have you ever wrestled with your faith? Will God meet me in this circumstance and provide? Does he see me now in this one? And it could be all different kinds of things. It could have happened to you. I'm sure it happened to you sometime this week. You used your faith for the provision of the Lord or you uh, resisted the faith and, and fell into some discouragement. Right? Just being real with you. Jacob wrestled with fear. Will God really protect me? Does God see me and care enough about me that he'll protect me? Or am I on my own and I've got to control things to make sure that they happen correctly? Real practicality. Israel begins to learn to trust the Lord and to let go and to trust and to look for the Lord's provision and the Lord's care, seeing the goodness of the Lord. Jacob also wrestled with the Lord's lordship. What do you mean I got to go that way and face my brother? I don't want to face my brother. There's no way I'm going to face my brother. And the Lord was like, no, you are going to face your brother. You need to. Otherwise, you'll never be free. And I want you free. I don't want your brother to have power over you. So you're going to face your past sin. You're going to deal with it, correct it, and then you're going to move on as a stronger person. And you'll know that I'm with you. Israel, you've wrestled with me and now you've learned. Now wrestle with this situation and overcome. And so Jacob does. He learns lordship. He wrestles with God's will. 
Any of you wrestle with God's will this week? (laughs) Jacob wrestled with the ability of God to redeem. He's like, I'm a lost cause. I'm a deceiver. Everything I do messes up. Everything fails. You can't make anything good out of this. And that's why I got to get out of here because you're not powerful enough to fix this. Jacob wrestled with that. Israel trusts in the Lord and says, Lord, man, I messed this up. Somehow you are able because you promised in Romans 8, 28 that you work all things for good. So Lord, take this somehow and make it into good. Lord, take me as I am and form me into the Israel you have for me. Redeem. That's the beautiful power of Jesus. Jesus is our redeemer. I don't care what situation you're fighting against. Jesus is the redeemer. He is able to get in there and take that Jacob part and transform it into a beautiful Israel. Don't lose your faith or your hope. Hold on to Jesus. Jacob wrestled with the character of God and became Israel who understood and saw God. Jacob wrestled with offenses and became Israel who learned how to forgive and let go. We all have this same journey as we walk with Jesus. This is normal for us to walk out as Jacob did. Wrestling with these things and overcoming by grabbing a hold of Jesus and not letting go. I can remember years ago I got this picture of uh, reading the Old Testament, the guy who grabbed the horns of the altar and would not let go. And I was like, that's, you know, Jesus, that's the way I see you. So a a long time ago, I mean, for a long time, my picture of Jesus, it's changed now. My picture of Jesus was me just grabbing a hold of his feet where my head was between his feet I was down there and I had one arm around each of his legs and I was just holding on for dear life because that's where my faith was I got to hold on down here by his feet because I'm not worthy to see him face to face you know because I was struggling there was a lot of Jacob in me and I was like I can't get past this and that's that but I held on and that carried me through many a moment Jesus I'm just going to hold on to your feet and be reminded of your redemption you know, now I can, it's a face-to-face, big old hug. Thank you, Jesus, I love you, and thank you for your love for me and receiving your love for me. But it took time, you know, to grow into that. The Lord wants you to continue your walk with Jesus. And I think our walk with Jesus often represents uh, some of the stages of life Uh, there's a lot of the same things. For example, when you're born and you're a son or you're a daughter, uh, your main thing you're learning about is you're learning to follow Jesus, to know him and to love him. As you get to know your parents, you, you learn to trust your parents. You learn to get to know your parents. You learn to love your parents. You re- it's all about receiving love and learning to show love and sharing and, and you know, the basic character things we walk out as kids. Okay? And then at some point, you grow into a man or you grow into a woman. I'm not talking about varying gender identities. I'm talking literally if you were a girl and you, yeah, okay. Just want to make sure that it wasn't clear. 
And at that point, as a man or as a woman, you begin to understand your limitations and his limitations. You begin to know uh, what your strength is and when you need to fight and when you don't. You begin to learn balances as an adult. In the same way in your walk with Jesus, it moves away from learning to share to actually understanding limitations, what your true weaknesses are, because all of us have them. All of us have limitations. You have DNA limitations that Jesus can overcome when and if he wants to, but there are things that are going to hinder you, and you need to be able to interact with other people in those limitations and just be honest about them. It's part of who you are, okay? If you can't sing, it's okay. You know, not everybody can sing. Some of us can dance, and others of us look like out-of-shape white guys, and it's okay. <laughs> You're not called. I'm not called to be on dancing whatever, but I, I can cut a rug. Some people like it. Some people don't, but anyway, you know your limitations and grow as the man or woman with Jesus. At some point, you probably get married. And then you learn that phase of life where you are a husband and wife, where you are committed to someone, and you learn to love them unconditionally. In the same way with your walk with Jesus, you learn to love Christ and be loved by Christ. It's, it's a phase that you, you walk through. You learn to submit to one another. Anybody married who struggles with submit? No, don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But you can be real with your spouse. It's okay to say, you know, I struggle to submit to you and I'm working on it. It's okay. And the Bible does say that, I know it says, uh, husbands love your wives and wives submit to your husband. It also says submit to one another. So the submission does go both ways, guys. It isn't uh, you're God Almighty and, and she's uh, whatever, got to obey everything you say. I run into people like that and that just isn't Jesus you know, uh, win her heart and she'll have no problem believing you when you say things if you win her heart and you uh, build that trust. Side note. At some point, you will be a mother or a father. Even if you don't, uh, you're not a birth mother or a birth father. You're going to be a mother or father to somebody. There are uh, people around you that you will mother or you will father. It's the natural part of who you are. At some point, you'll be doing that where you are more focused on caring about someone else's needs than taking care of your own. And you begin to see the love of Jesus, how he laid down his life. Nothing teaches you the love of Jesus and the laying down of your life than a 2 a.m. Uh, child crying uncontrollably that you don't know what's wrong. And you're like, or like a week of sickness where every kid, every kid in your family is sick and they're all throwing up at different times. I don't mean to gross anybody out, but projectile vomiting. Nothing that when your kid wakes you up and says, I don't feel well, and then it's like, oh, you know, at 2 a.m. in the morning. Laying down your life for your kids. It teaches you things, but it also shows you what Christ does for you. And Christ, how he wants you to come into the phase where you are doing this for those around you. I think the last in our journey and our walk with Jesus that we really understand is as grandparents. 
reaching that phase where we uh, love and we lead in freedom. You know, because as a parent, it's what I say goes. As a grandparent is, what did your mom and dad say? And how do I counter my child's opinion in this situation with the grandchild who I... It's a navigating. You know, a lot of what God does is navigate our boundaries. Let me say that again. A lot of what God does is navigate our boundaries. He does it very well. Don't get me wrong. Like, he's not limited by our boundaries. He does it because he loves you. And he'll put up with so many, so many boundaries that you have for him. He'll put up with for a while as he's winning your heart and getting you to let go of your boundaries to trust him. But some of what we have not of is because we have boundaries for God that we've put up and say, you can bless me, but it's got to be in this box right here. And if it's not in this box right here, I'm not receiving it. And God says, well, actually, the, the, the big blessing's over here. And if you just look over here and let go of the box, I, I want to show you something that will far outdo the box that you have. And you're like, no, this is the box whether that's theology or fear or wounds. It could be all different kinds of reasons why you have limited. But there's sometimes boundaries we put up for God. And, you, and same thing as a grandparent, uh, you want to, and I'm talking not from experience yet, uh, but what I see and, and uh, some of the things that you want to say and some of the things you want to do, you're just not able to do because you don't have authority to do it. In that sense, you've got to honor the authority of the parents. So these are all things we do as we are walking out being conformed from Jacob into Israel. There's different stages of growth. So I ask you, can you trust God? Can you trust God? in the situation you're in right now? Is he able and is he faithful in the situation you're in right now? Is he in control in the situation you're in right now? Can he redeem the situation you're in right now? If you can freely answer yes to all of those, way to go, you were like, Flowing in, in maturity and freedom. Israel is, is formed in a lot of ways. If there's some pushback, it's okay. Go to Jesus with it. It just shows this is an area where the Lord's saying, okay, there's more work I'm doing here. You're wrestling with me, and I want to get your attention. I want to reveal myself to you. This is not a grade. Some of you are like, well, I grew up where I got uh, A through F, and I feel like I just got an F. No, Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus wants us to see where we really are because when we see where we really are is when we look up and begin to go, okay, Lord, can you help me? Up until that point, it's like, I can do this. I don't need you. I got this. When we get honest, then it's like, okay, Lord, man, I can't do this. Will you help me? And he's like, sure, step forward. Uh, okay.
Jesus, I want to be Israel in every way. I want to be just like you, Lord. I want to come in to represent who you are. In closing today, I want to tell you the benefit of being conformed into Israel. It's beautiful. I even wrote down the wrong verse, but I know where it is. No. It's in uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 40. It says, whoever receives you, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. And it's talking there about a reward. It says, receive a righteous man, you receive a righteous reward. You see, receive a prophet in my name, you receive a, the, a prophet's reward. You receive, and it goes on right there in detail. But in basically, the reward is Jesus. And so as we get loosed and are freed into being the Israel that he called us and created us to be, we actually show Jesus. We don't have to become churchy to show Jesus. We don't have to become religious to look like Jesus. We just have to get free. We have to receive forgiveness. We have to let him heal us. Then we begin to look like Jesus without even trying to look like Jesus. And then people who receive us receive Jesus. What an honor to be carrying Jesus. You know, when I first got saved, I was 15, I was radical. I was very radical because I had been hopeless, suicidal. Life has no purpose. There's no way. I met Jesus in a church service set on the back row. Met Jesus, cried for six weeks straight every Sunday. My life just changed. And at that, from that point, I went back to school and I was a preaching machine but I was not bringing Jesus I was bringing my understanding of you know I was Jacob with a shirt on that said turn or burn you know so I did a lot of things wrong in my zeal for the Lord it's a lot more fun now I thought I was having fun then it's a lot more fun now actually being with Jesus and carrying Jesus and being the Israel instead of the Jacob with the shirt on. I encourage you this morning, you can trust God. He is able and he is faithful. He is in control, trust him. He can redeem the situation. Let me pray over you this morning. Jesus, I thank you for each and every one of those that are here and those that will listen to this podcast later on. And Father, I pray that you would individually, Holy Spirit, as only you can, just bring the word directly to their heart and to their situation and just bring it up, Lord. Bring it up and bring it up and liberate them into who you've created them to be, Lord. That beautiful representation of you, Jesus. Father, set them free, Lord. Like you said in Luke 4, 18 and 19, Set them free, heal them, Lord. Get them out of prison, Father. Open the blind eyes. Whatever it takes, Jesus, you are able. Oh, man, you're able. And you're good. 
I pray, Lord, that each one here, uh, the sound of my voice, would be able to uh, switch from wrestling to get away to wrestling to hold on. Lord, help them, Father. Bless them, Lord. I bless them. You bless them, Lord. I thank you, Father, for it, and I pray in the powerful, overcoming name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hey, guys, Jesus loves you. Have a great Sunday. See you next week.